Hi. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to chat with John Hodge of Three Down Nation as we look ahead to the weekend of CFL postseason action. Who's going to play the Bombers in the West Final? Plus, we'll hear from Manitoba's Amateur Golfers of the Year, Rhonda Orr and Braxton Coons, talking to our Kelly Moore. That's all ahead on the podcast. Looking ahead to Sunday. What a weekend of sports. If you like football, there's college football tomorrow, big college football in north, uh, north and south of the border. U Sports playoffs, you've got really big matchups in the NCAA ranks. You've got CFL playoffs. The NFL slate kind of sucks, but the CFL, yeah. We'll finally know Sunday in about 48 hours who the Bombers will be playing in the West Final on November 13th. And here to preview the action is John Hodge of Three Down Nation. Uh, John, how pumped are you for this weekend's playoff action? I am very excited. I think it's going to be a couple of great matchups. Um, if if the roles are reversed, right, and this is the lovely part of the CFL divisional setup, if, um, you know, if, if you had a true, let's say, like third seed versus sixth seed, fourth seed versus fifth seed, I think the games would be a little uneven. But given the way they're set up, I think we've got a spectacular evenly matched East semifinal and a spectacular equally matched West semifinal setup. I'm sure the teams aren't necessarily crazy about that, right? Like the Stampeders are, are going on the road despite the fact they finished 12-6 and six with a third-best record in the CFL. But I think both games are going to be highly entertaining. I think both games are very evenly matched. I can't wait. Let's start with, unchronologically, the one that matters more, though, to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and that's the West semifinal, which is the second game of the day, as always. Nathan Rourke is back. We saw him a little bit last week. Not a lot to really know how he's going to look. I think a lot of people are leaning Calgary in this game, but the fact that Nathan Rourke is, we really don't know how good he's going to be. Is that the ultimate wild card this weekend? I mean, I, I think so. Um, to me, the wild factor is is something a little different. I'll touch on that in a moment. Rourke spoke to the media on Wednesday said that, you know, he admitted that going into the, this past week's game in which he played a quarter against Winnipeg, he was a little nervous about the foot, but he said once he started playing, he forgot about it and didn't feel as though it was an issue at all. Um, he also said that it did feel sore uh, after the game, but um, he, he doesn't feel like it is a, a real limitation. He refused to put a percentage on it, but he said, I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, to me, the wild card factor here that I think people are forgetting or underestimating at least is where this game is going to be played. BC Play Stadium had 34,000 people there for their home opener. They're going to have another great crowd there. Amar Domon told the media today they could have as many as 40,000 in that dome. And dome is the key word here. Let's not forget, Calgary is a running, ground-and-pound type of team with a great defense. If this was a snow game at the Penn Stadium, I would be taking the Calgary Stampeders in a heartbeat. But in a dome, if Nathan Rourke can, can sling the ball over the field to those great weapons that he has, i like the BC Lions to win this game, especially with potentially the biggest crowd we've seen in Vancouver in years behind him. So you're leaning BC on this one? I think by, by a hair. Okay. What would if, if Calgary wins this game, why will they win? If Calgary wins this game, it's going to be because the defense made life miserable for Nathan Rourke. 
Um, and, of course, they ran the ball well. But I, I think Calgary will run the ball well basically regardless. Um, Calgary, I think, you know, there was a bunch of drama when the CFL's all-star list came out initially and didn't have any members of the Stampeders on it because their offensive line was so darn good all season long. Obviously, once they revised the list, we saw several Stampeders on that list. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think Jake Mayer uh, has to play in himself. I'm not sure that, that – no, I mean, Jake Mayer is obviously a very good young quarterback, but he's not been up to Nathan Rourke's level. And, and truthfully, that's not what Calgary asks their quarterback to do. They don't ask their quarterback to go out and throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. They ask their quarterback to go out there, manage the game, make the throws they need, uh, but primarily they hand the ball off and uh, rely on their defense to, to generate pressure, get takeaways, um, and those types of things. So, I mean, Calgary, uh, I mean, they, they, they finished the season 1-2 and two against BC and 0-3 oh and against the Bombers. Frankly, I'm a little surprised that they are as favored in this game, or at least seem to be getting as much momentum as they have been getting from pundits across the country. Um, can they win? Absolutely. Uh, but uh, it, it's not going to be an easy battle, I'll put it that way. Yeah, this line was three uh, just, I think, a day or two ago. It's just a point and a half now, uh, which is kind of wild to me that it's moved that much. Uh, looking at uh, the Calgary situation, right? Jake Mayer, we talk a lot about how Nathan works the new guy, right? The big new thing in the CFL. Jake Mayer's never played in a playoff game before. He's had one rush for a yard last year in the West semifinal. He has got no playoff experience either. No, he has not. And, I mean, Mayer is... Um, you know, was a bit of a wonderkind last year uh, when he was asked to step in and play for an injured Bo Levi Mitchell. Was the first quarterback in CFL history to throw for 300 yards in each of his first three starts. I think people have forgotten about Jake Mayer to an extent, just because of the way Nathan Rourke exploded to start this season. Right? If if last year you'd ask, okay, you know, who, who's the best quarterback in the CFL? under 25, or who's the best quarterback in the CFL you might want to start a franchise with. I think Jake Mayer would be that pick. Obviously, nobody's making that pick anymore. It's, it's the Nathan Rourke show from coast to coast. Uh, but absolutely, Jake Mayer has to show that he can step up. And so far throughout his career, he's done a very good job of that. He's got a very good record as a starter with 6-3 and three after replacing Bo Levi Mitchell. And, I mean, it, it's impressive enough that he was able to, to walk into a situation like that and unseat Bo Levi Mitchell. Yes, the, the shoulder injury that's plagued Bo for the last couple of years played a role in that. Uh, however, I mean, to, to go in and replace Bo is something that, you know, w- was hard to even imagine happening a few years ago. Replacing Bo Levi Mitchell in Calgary, I'd almost, you know, say it, it's akin to beating out Tom Brady for a job on, on you know, those great Patriots teams of old or, or unseating Peyton Manning in, in, in Indianapolis all those years ago. It's a remarkable accomplishment. Uh, I think Jake Mayer deserves uh, to go into this game with confidence, but he's got to prove it because you, you made a great point, Christian. He's never started a playoff game in the professional uh, or in, in a professional football game. Let's go to the East semifinal now. The Tiger Cats are at the Montreal Alouettes. Hamilton and Montreal both closed pretty strong this season after some rocky starts. Someone had to make the playoffs in the East. These two do. And so which way are you leaning on this one? I think I'm leaning towards the Montreal Alouettes by a touch. And the only reason for that is that they'll be playing at home. No, Montreal doesn't have a home field advantage like a Winnipeg or a Saskatchewan necessarily. 
But those fans do make some noise, and those fans, I think, will rally behind their team. Their owner, Gary Stern, said today on Twitter they've sold over 20,000 tickets for the game. I think Percival Molson holds in the neighborhood of 23 to 24. So they're not at a sellout, but it seems like there's a chance they could still sell out for this game. Um, but that said, I mean, the, the hottest team in the CFL over the last third of the season was the Ticats. You can't deny that. The Ticats looked dead and buried at 3-9. and nine. They were scratching and clawing for answers, and all of a sudden they came off their bye week. And they're the only team, really, since the midway point of the 2019 season to kick the snot out of the Blue Bombers, right? There was that game Dane Evans threw for almost 400 yards, threw five touchdowns, and I don't think anybody saw that coming, but, but Hamilton absolutely mollywhopped the, the, the back-to-back Great Cup champions. And so, you know, they, 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 they haven't – certainly their offense hasn't had another game like that. That might have just been a, a flash-in-the-pan, stars-aligning type of moment. Um, but with that being said, they're starting to run the ball well. Uh, their offensive line is, is starting to control the line of scrimmage better. And, and I think their defense has come along. The biggest question to me in this game – is, is at the quarterback position. Trevor Harris, I think, has been the most consistent quarterback in the CFL. I don't think he had a single game this year that you would classify as spectacular, but I also don't think you'd say any of his games were bad. He is your very standard, you know, game-managing, uh, check-down type quarterback um, who, who will try the occasional deep throw. He's got Eugene Lewis, who's probably the best receiver in the CFL, to connect on the occasional deep ball, uh, but he has been as steady as they come. Dane Evans has been the least consistent quarterback in the CFL this season with the highest highs and also the lowest lows. So I'm going to err on the side of Montreal. But again, Christian, if you play this game 10 times, I think you're probably coming away with a result of, of probably five wins apiece. Maybe, maybe Montreal wins at six. Again, just because of that hometown support. Two and seven, the Ticats on the road this year as well, a number that uh, Ticats fans probably aren't a fan of. Uh, well, I'll get you out of here on this, John. Of the four teams playing on Sunday, which has the best chance to get to the Grey Cup? Well, I'm going to definitely pick an East team because I think hmm. going into Toronto to play the Argonauts is, is easier than going into Winnipeg to play the Blue Bombers. And I'm not just saying that because this is Winnipeg radio. Um, the Argos, credit to them, they won the East fair and square. But, I mean... That team did lack consistency throughout the year. McLeod Bethel-Thompson has yet to prove he can win the big game. Um, so I, I, I would say the winner of the East semifinal. Um, so I'll, I'll take the Montreal Alouettes because, uh, because I picked them to win the East semi. Though I will say this, Christian, you know, a lot of people, you know, depending, of course, on who you talk to across the country, media, members, you know, or, or, or fans, what, what have you, you know, everybody's looking for different Great Cup matchups. Today, the Toronto Argonauts announced that a gentleman by the name of Andrew Harris is back practicing after suffering a, I believe it was a torn pectoral muscle back in July. All of a sudden, to me, the best and most intriguing Great Cup matchup, unquestionably, is Winnipeg-Toronto, because those two teams did not get a chance to play uh, in Winnipeg during the regular season. I know there's going to be a ton of Bomber fans looking to travel west for the Great Cup if it's winnipeg against Andrew Harris in the Grey Cup. What a sensational matchup that would be. And we know that that man carries big chips on his shoulders, and he's very motivated by those chips. So that would be a real tasty matchup for sure. John, appreciate your time with us. Thanks for this, and uh, have fun watching the games this weekend. Will do, Christian. Appreciate it. Anytime. 
Golf Manitoba held its annual award ceremony Wednesday night at Breezy Bend. The big winners of the evening, Braxton Coons of the Host Club, as well as Rhonda Orr of Southwood, as those two were named the male and female amateur golfers of the year for the 2022 season. We'll start with Orr, who for the fourth time in her outstanding career makes the trip to the podium as the top female amateur golfer in the province. Well, it feels amazing, actually. I, I mean, the young ladies that uh, I played with a lot this year, they, they are just put up fantastic scores all year and at Canadians. So um, it's definitely nice to be recognized for all the hard work you put in. Those are four pretty special finalists that were here tonight. Yeah, it was, like, amazing. And even the, the people who didn't quite make the finals were amazing. Kala had a fantastic season and Marissa. And uh, I think we did, we did a good job at Canadians, you know, putting up some... Uh, good results there and that was awesome the fact that manitoba is really starting to develop a broad base of golfers like there's not just the one or two of you like there was in years past that are kind of carrying the weight of the province on your shoulders yeah we love um we love to have more people at canadians and you know not just the team because as you can see from some of the other events uh some people who might finish fifth in the province finish in the top 10 at canadians and that just shows the depth that we're starting to develop across the men and the women, and uh, but the young ladies are, are just fantastic. I don't think there was a better example of that than when yourself and Jerry LaFleche <laughs> are standing side by side. I mean, uh, that, that just really shows the scope of, of the talent in this province. Yeah, I think uh, it's such a great sport. I mean, there's probably not another sport in the world, I don't know, maybe, maybe there is, but not that I'm aware of, that we can have a, a 16-year-old and a I'm just going to say senior competing uh, against each other and, and uh, you know, just doing it even up. When you look back on 2022, I know in other years we've talked to you and, you know, I remember there was the one year, I think it was at the U.S. Uh, senior GA where your son was on the bag yeah. with you. Uh, but what was this year's highlight? Oh, well, actually getting to compete at Breezy Bend, you know, at home was fantastic. Unfortunately, I didn't have my best game the first couple of days. It came through with a, I think I won over par the last round. I thought, you know, finally at least I put a, put a good score up. But uh, that was really nice. And I, I did compete in the U.S. Um, had my son on the bag at a professional event and uh, had an unfortunate accident on the 16th uh, tee box. Just oh, tell us about that. Tell us about that. Well, I was inside the cut line. On the 16th tee box, the brace that I wear on my knee broke in half. <laughs> and, uh, well, I didn't have a very good haul, and that was, that was the end of the story. <laughs> but you could laugh about it now, eh? Well, I mean, it's... You are probably crying back then. <laughs> I, was, I was slightly upset, but, uh, you know, it was, again, my, my son and I went down to Chicago, and we got to hang out for three or four days, and he played a couple of practice rounds with me, and we just had a fantastic experience playing with the... We played with the winner, who shot four under par, and... You know, all those memories are just, you know, in the end it didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted, but it was a fantastic memory. I don't know how many senior championships in a row it's been. I'm not sure how many female amateur golfer of the year awards it's been, but I would suspect it never gets old. Like, it always remains special to you, Rhonda? It does. Every year, every year is special, and at the beginning of the year it kind of set out. I mean, this kind of marks the end of the year, and you get to reflect on what happened and we'll take a month or two off and you know might play some fun golf and and then you say okay what 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 am I going to set my sights on this year and I always just try to do my best and I try to get a little bit better every year and it doesn't happen every year but that until I can't do it that's what I want to do. 
Have you thought about 2023 at all? Have you started to think about setting some goals? I, ha- I have started. I, I try to get my schedule set, which is a big thing, you know, and I, there's a couple other tournaments that I'd like to fit in next year. And um, so what at Pinehurst, which is a fabulous place to play and a, a, a couple of things. And hopefully I'll get back and be able to compete at the USGA. And um, yeah, lots of stuff. Just for the record, or won her seventh straight Manitoba senior women's title and ninth overall to go along with a mid-amateur championship and runner-up finish in the Diamond Athletic Women's Amateur this past season. And for 18-year-old Braxton Coons, he says winning a second consecutive male amateur golfer of the year award is about as good as it gets at the provincial level. Something that I'm very proud to have done for a second year in a row. And, uh, yeah, definitely one of the biggest memories I'm going to have for my life, yeah. When you're sitting there uh, earlier in the night, you're hearing Rob McMillan, you know, 1991, 92, you know, so on and so forth, and that uh, is it, is that kind of maybe a bit of motivation? I know you're just sitting there saying, you know, one winning back to back, but you know, to, to carve out that kind of a career. I mean, he's got so many; it might take me a while. But <laughs> yeah, he has he has quite the record. Um, to get close to that would be really special. But you know what? There's I got a long road ahead of me, and uh, I'll see what I can accomplish, but I don't know. He's got he's got a pretty good record. <laughs> when you were watching the names of the finalists getting flashed up there, the four and maybe even the the couple of guys that uh, received honorable mentions, uh, was there at any time where you thought, "Oh, I've, you know, I'm going to get my second one in a row"? Did you feel comfortable with that, or has it been that competitive a year that it was up for grabs? Uh, I think there's a lot of guys that have had a good season this year. I mean, you look at Curtis, he won a Canadian Canadian National Championship. Like, that's very impressive. So I, I was at no point 100% sure that I was going to win. Um, I know that I had a good year. I was proud of what I did. But ultimately, it's still up to the to the judges. So, Was there one particular proud moment uh, of the year for you, Braxton? Um, I'd say being able to go back-to-back in the, the amateur was really special for me. And then, uh, you know, I came close to uh, making the cut in the... PJ Tour event, it, it looked like I was going to, but I didn't. That was a bit of a downside, but I was still really happy with how I played uh, in my first pro tournament. When you're playing in that pro event, how much do you have to remind yourself, hey, you know, at Southwood, I've played here many, many times before, but uh, by the same token, you know, obviously it's probably the premier event uh, so far that you've had the opportunity to play in. Yeah, uh, just not letting the pressure get to me. I've been in a lot of situations um, where I've had pressure on me in golf, um, so I felt a little comfortable knowing that. Uh, I mean, obviously there's a lot more people watching, a lot more coverage and everything, so there's a lot more stuff going on, but at the end of the day, I just need to focus on my game, and I think I did that uh, pretty well for the most part. 2022 is not even over yet, but we're going to ask you anyway. uh, uh, What are you looking forward to for 2023? The hat trick for the amateur, I guess, would be number one? That would be really special. Um, I mean, I'm going back to college in January. I want to try and do my best in some tournaments down south. Um, and then when the summer comes, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing in these events all over again. And, yeah, Golf Manitoba puts them together really well every year. And, yeah, they're always a treat. Where is college in the States, and uh, how, have, how have things gone that way? So I'm going to Nickel State University. Uh, it's a small university in Louisiana. Uh, my freshman year, I had a few good tournaments. I had a few top tens. Um, maybe not as good as I would have wanted overall, but uh, I feel like I have a little more experience going back this spring, and I am hoping to play a little better. Now, fill in the blanks. How does a kid from Winnipeg wind up going to a small college in Louisiana? Where? How do you connect the dots to that one? I get that. I get asked this question quite a bit. I would imagine you would. Yeah. yeah so. 
I was on a recruiting website called NCSA. Um, I was on it for years. I was emailing pretty much every school out there. So I ended up emailing this university. Um, they were a good fit for me, both, you know, full-length golf season, 12 months of the year, had academic programs that I was interested in, and they're very affordable. So all those things fit right into place, and I couldn't have thought of much a better option. Well, you're a true Winnipegger, affordable uh, yeah. <laughs> education. Uh, what, academically, what are you uh, majoring in right now? Like, what would you like to achieve? I'm a finance major right now. Yeah. So I'm not too sure what I want to do when I graduate, but uh, something managing money, investing, something like that. And I'll hopefully a pro golfer if that works out but we'll see just finally when you look back at at you know the previous year to this year where do you feel your game took that little extra step and you were really happy with what you did yeah i think uh starting last summer um going into that the, the amateur was where i felt i was really starting to improve um my misses were becoming a little smaller um i was becoming more consistent and Really, golf is just about all the work you put in. So putting in work day after day and making uh, making the next little improvements. Because there's really not that much of a difference between a good amateur player and a good pro player. It's all the little things. So if I can do uh, a good job at refining the small parts of my game, then everything will come together. Koontz is the first Manitoba golfer to win back-to-back provincial titles in both the junior and male amateur categories and also finished fifth at the Canadian Junior Men's Championship in Kamloops, BC in early August. Congratulations to both Braxton and Rhonda and everyone else who was nominated. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you of the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your misery.